After a couple of years of being badgered by my friends, not night and day, but it seemed like that, I finally succumbed to their proselytizing and uh, played pickleball. <laughs> the people kept telling me, you've got to play pickleball. You've got to play pickleball. And I'm thinking to myself, am I that old? So finally, I did it this past week, got up early, met some guys at a court, and played pickleball. How many of you, just curious, by way of hands, have ever played this game? Yes, look at us, come on, pickleball players. It's like tennis, but it's not. It's like ping pong, but it's not. It is something entirely different and something new. And it's kind of weird, you know, at the age of, you know, 38, to try to <laughs> pick up a new sport. But, hey, listen, I, I, I played a little bit. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I'm addicted but uh, it, it is it's a fun sport and it's, it's good, I think, no matter how old you are, to kind of launch out there and to try something new. Now, when we gather on Sunday mornings here at 1111 in this church, I realize that there are a lot of pickleball players already here, already coming, who know what you're doing, know the rules and all that stuff. And others are brand new. And I'm using it as an analogy, not to pickleball, but to church. And I realize it's new to you. Uh, the songs are new. Some of the traditions are new. And uh, perhaps even trying to understand God and figure him out is new to you as well. Um, I just wanted to say to you, welcome. I'm glad that you're here and that you've come to a good place, a safe place, I think, to uh, learn about God and really to start to discover his plan for your life. Now, some Sundays when we meet here, the message is, I think, kind of light, perhaps inspirational. Other Sundays, it can be pretty heavy, pretty intense. Today is one of those heavy and intense days. But though it's heavy, I believe that it will be helpful to many of you here. Now, when I want to look out into the landscape of our culture today, I see a lot of people who are making a lot of tracks who have a lot of influence. And uh, three guys in particular, I think, that have made a, a lot of headway and have a lot of guys and other people following them would be folks like uh, Jocko Willink, Joe Rogan, and David Goggins. And I ask myself the question, why is it? Why have these three particular guys gain so much traction in our culture today. And there are a lot of reasons, but I think one of the main reasons is they've endured pain and made it to the other side. That, that's why, yeah. So when someone has gone through a difficult season in their life or many years in their life, or they have overcome something that seems monumental, that seems impossible, against all odds, and they have made it through to the other side, we want to listen to them and to give them a hearing. 
So in the past several Sundays, we've been looking and listening to a guy by the name of David who's been through a heck of a whole lot. Most of us know who David is. He's the guy that beat the giant Goliath. He's the guy that became the king of Israel. He's the guy who really messed up with Bathsheba. He's a guy who has been through a lot, but has made it to the other side. And in the process, he has continued to seek God and try to figure out where is God in all of this. So today, we're gonna listen once again to David. And it's been my my goal for you in this series is that you would make the book of Psalms your go-to to help you go through whatever you're facing in life. As I've progressed in the years of my life, as I've gone through seasons of being on the mountaintop and being in the valley and being in the ditches of life, I have found Psalms, these ancient words are so relevant and so real and so raw to help me face whatever I'm going through in my life. So my prayer for you, my goal for you, is that you'll begin to turn to the Psalms to help you go through whatever you're going through in your life right now. Today, we're looking at a heavy Psalm, Psalm chapter number six. So you have the Bible, open right to the middle. So, so practical, right to the middle of the Bible, right in the middle of your life, maybe in the middle of your own struggle, and we find Psalm chapter number six, verse one. David writes, O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Have compassion on me, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, how long? Do you ever ask that question? How long, God? How long is this trial going to last? How long do I have to endure this pain? The book of Psalms gives us permission to be honest with God, to ask those questions that sometimes we dare think we should not ask. Psalm says, ask those questions. God welcomes our honesty. Maybe some of you are asking that question right now. God, how long? Look at verse four. He writes, return, O Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? In other words, God, help me right now. Once I'm dead and gone and pushing daisies and all that, it's a little too late for the rescue. Help me now, intervene now. David's got a good dose of 21st century impatience. Look at this. I am worn out. I'm worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. My vision is, is blurred because of my grief. My eyes are worn out because of all of my enemies. Go away, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayer. May all my enemies be disgraced and terrified, and may they suddenly turn back in shame. 
So in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his grief, in the midst of drowning in the ocean of his tears on his bed at night, David has the confidence that God is hearing his prayer. And he's on the lookout that God's going to answer him. So we can see right away in this passage, David pouring out his raw emotions to God. David crying out for help for God to intervene in the middle of his grief and pain. And David on the lookout on how God is going to answer the prayers that he is offering up to God. One of the greatest mysteries in life, one of the greatest questions we can ask is, why is there so much pain and suffering in the world where we live? Why is it? Several years back, a new young pastor moved to Houston. He was a senior pastor of a church and we were sitting down for a cup of coffee and he asked me, uh, what do you preach about a lot? What are some of the themes that you preach about? And this is many years ago. And I said, well, I preach a lot about grace and a lot about suffering, grace and suffering. And as I was looking at my library, my study this week, I noticed all the stacks of books that I had with all of these titles related to grief and suffering, like Disappointed with God, Making Sense of Suffering, A View from a Hearse, Lament for My Son, all these books, all these Christian men and women trying to process grief, trying to process their suffering and pain in a way that would honor God. But life is tough. Life can be brutal. Life can serve things to us that we never expected that we would ever deal with. And we find ourselves just like David in Psalm 6, crying and grieving. Seneca, the famous Stoic philosopher, said this. He said, sometimes even to live is an act of courage. Just to get up in the morning and tie your shoes and go to work. Sometimes just living and existing is an act of courage. I know that there are some people here today that are in a season of grief and pain and loss in your own life. Some of us are not, and that's, that's great. That's great. But some of us are dealing with loss. They're dealing with the loss of a loved one. Others are dealing with the loss of a relationship, the loss of a marriage, the loss of a rebellious child, the loss of a dream that didn't materialize. And you're weeping and you're grieving and you're crying out for answers and you're laying these questions out to God and to others. You know, some experts say, and I think there's a lot of truth in it, there are at least five stages of grief. Five stages of grief. You can remember these stages by the acrostic dabida. The first stage of grief is denial or shock. 
can't believe that happened. I'm just not going to believe it. And you live in shock and denial. That's sometimes the first stage of grief. The second stage of grief is anger. Why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to us? And you're angry and you're just on the edge and you're just ready to go. That's another stage of dealing with grief and loss is anger. Third stage is bargaining. You try to cut a deal with God or someone else to try to reverse the consequences or the pain that's happening in your life. And so you bargain. That's the third stage of grief. And the fourth stage of grief that a lot of us have been through is depression. Life is so heavy. Things look so dark as you look out into the future that you can barely get out of bed in the morning. And then the fifth stage is where we want to be. We want to get to there eventually. And that is acceptance. Where we realize, yes, what happened is very sad and very hurtful and very painful, but yet I am able to move on in my life and move forward with God. And I think one of the challenges we face in life and dealing with challenges, dealing with problem, dealing with suffering and grief is not to get stuck and fixated in one of those first four stages. Not to get stuck in denial, not to get stuck where you're just angry and mad at the world and God and everything, not to get stuck in bargaining or stuck in the dark tunnel of depression. What's interesting about pain and grief is that when we're faced with it, we have choices, we have options. Many times we cannot control the circumstances of our grief, the circumstances of our pain. Many times we cannot control those, sometimes we can, but many times we can't. But we can control this one thing and that's our response. That's the choices we make in dealing with the process of pain and grief and suffering. Henry Nouwen, tremendous writer, says this. He says, every time there are losses, there are choices to be made. You can choose to use your losses as passages to anger and blame and hatred and depression and resentment, or you can choose to let these losses be passages to something new to something wider, to something deeper. Choices. We can choose. God's given us the ability to choose to respond to him in the midst of our grief and loss. How do we do that? Well, We can see that in this passage today in Psalm 6. We can see that in many other Psalms that we've looked at. We we can choose, first of all, to take our pain and our sadness to God himself. Don't hide it. Don't suppress it. Don't keep it all to yourself, but lay out What's going on in your life? What's going on in your world? What's going on in your heart? Pour out those emotions and those thoughts to God himself. God can handle it. 
It's not going to knock him off his throne, okay? He's going to be okay. God welcomes our questions. God welcomes our emotions. God welcomes our pain. And if we learn anything through Psalms, I pray that we will learn and see and experience that. So a first choice that we can make is choose to take your pain and sadness to God. And in the process of that, you, need, you may need to find a group that will help you do that. You need to find a group of men, a group of women who have been through what you're going through. Or maybe they're going through what you're going through. Right? Because they can relate to what you're, what, what you're saying. They can relate to how you're feeling. We've had a group meet here for, I don't know, 20 years now. It's called Grief Share. You may see it in one of the slides as you're walking in the worship uh, uh, service at 1111. And Grief Share is obviously for people who are going through a time of grief, a time of great loss. And they meet and they pray and they seek God's word and they seek to find God's presence in the midst of their pain and suffering. Maybe you need to find someone who is a counselor, someone who can help you, someone you can pour this circumstance out, pour this pain out before them. Listen, there are many circumstances in life, many things that happen to you in life that require help from the outside. David killed giants. David led a nation. David wrote a good chunk of the Bible, and yet David realized, whoa, I'm in a situation that requires help from the outside. Sometimes you need someone else. Sometimes you need a good friend, a good pastor, a good counselor who can sit down and listen to you and help you as you're trying to process this grief and hurt and pain before God. We have choices. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the grief, choose, choose to process that and pour that out before God. Also, choose to receive God's strength, God's provision, one day at a time. Because here's what happens. When you're in the midst of a time of great grief, a time of suffering, you start trying to think about what's gonna happen tomorrow and what your life's gonna be like next week or next month or next year. Usually we have a, a tendency to project into the future the most worst, awful, catastrophic life that we can imagine on the worst dystopian science fiction film. We start thinking, we can't even think about that. And then we start getting real-time anxiety, real-time pain about something that hasn't happened yet. And here's the problem with this projecting or predicting our own future is that so many times we project our own future, we worry about a future, but we never factor in the grace and the provision of God. So listen, if you're in the middle of it right now, in the midst of a time of grief and pain and suffering, you know what? Your life may actually get worse. It may get worse. Have a nice day. It's going to get worse. But you know what? God will be there in your worse. Does that make sense? 
He is not going to leave you alone. He's not going to leave you alone. He's going to provide for you. He's going to be there for you. He's going to provide you what you need. Here's the, here's the tricky part. When, when you need it. When you need it. Here's a passage that, that says this so clearly in, in lament, Lamentations. A whole book of lamenting and complaining and crying out to God. It's called the book of Lamentations. 3 verse 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yes, woo on that. God is faithful. God provides us manna, bread for that particular day and that particular moment. Don't think about the future of your life, the future of your grief without factoring in the provision and the grace of God in your life. But we have to choose to receive that grace on a daily basis a daily basis. We come before God and say, God, help me. God, provide for me. God, guide me in this day, in this moment. And his mercies, his provisions are new every morning. They're new every morning. One of my heroes of the faith is a lady by the name of Corey Ten Boom. She survived the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And someone asked her, her sister was there with her in a camp and her sister died. But she survived and made it. And someone asked her, how, Corey, did you make it through? How did you make it through the darkness? How did you make it through the suffering? How did you make it through the interrogations day after day after day after day? How did you make it through? And Corey told the story. She said, well, when I was a little girl growing up in Holland and my, my dad would buy me a ticket to go on a train ride to Amsterdam. He didn't give me the ticket. He bought it weeks in advance, but he didn't give, it, give me the ticket weeks in advance. He didn't give me the ticket two weeks before the trip. He didn't give me the ticket a week before the trip. He didn't give me the ticket a few days before the trip because, you know, I didn't need it yet, and I might lose it, but my dad gave me the ticket the day I got on the train, the day I needed it. And she said, when I was in these hellish, dark, painful concentration camps, God gave me the strength to make it through that day when I needed it. His mercies, his strength, his power is new every morning, every morning. That's the gospel of God's grace. We may wear out and get tired and 
not have enough? God always has enough. God, hey, it's me. <laughs> it's me again. It's Monday morning. God, it's me. Is that you again, Ben? Yes, it's me. I need prayer. I need help. I need your provision to make it through this day. And God is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. They're new every morning. And sometimes doesn't mean everything's going to be better. There's going to be a nice, beautiful bow on it. Everything's going to be perfect. No, but it means that God will be with you. He will work through you and guide you through a season of grief and loss. By his grace and by his unfailing love. And that is even better than pickleball. <laughs>